At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We all have questions, and we're all looking for the answers. But sometimes, navigating the answers to cultural issues through the lens of the gospel can be challenging. Join us for our Asking for a Friend series, where each week we'll answer tough questions and provide you with gospel-centered answers that you can share with a friend. Morning, church family. Ah, That's good energy. I like that. I'm hoping that all of you guys are well-rested and your energy bars are full like they seem to be. Uh, Those of you who don't know, I'm Nick Stales. I'm the student ministry uh, director here. We all know that Pastor Rob went on sabbatical, right? Okay, two months, he's going to be gone. Now, so the last I heard, the last update I got was that he was currently in the process of, of scaling Mount Kilimanjaro to spend two months in a yurt meditating on the Word of God. No, I'm just kidding. He's down the road in Highland. He's pretty close right now, I think. Uh, he's just not here. And Pastor Kevin's on vacation with his family currently as well. So you know what they say, when the cat's away... Also kidding, this is being recorded. Uh, I have to be a good boy. So, anywho, uh, last week I was up here doing announcements and uh, we talked about these Hope Week prayer sheets. If you haven't gotten one, I think we still have some in the lobby. Um, what this has on it is each day of Hope Week. We've got Saturday, which is yesterday, uh, which lights out was at 1245, just so you know. I am exhausted. I'm going to give you everything I've got, though. Everything I've got. Uh, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, specific things that you guys can be praying for for our students as they serve as the hands and feet of Jesus in the communities around us, the communities directly around all of our Woodside campuses. Um, it is a beautiful thing to see all of our middle schoolers and high schoolers going out into communities and doing incredible, incredible things for God. I, I uh, highly encourage anyone who can get out to the Hope Week celebration on Thursday night at the Troy campus this upcoming Thursday. It's going to be awesome. The worship is next level. Um, But the best part is that we'll see what our students are actually doing as the hands and feet of Jesus in their communities. We get to see and hear from our students as to what their weeks looked like as they serve other people, as they they are selfless with their time. Um, uh, Jacob mentioned that they're giving up a week of their summer vacation. But they're not just giving up a week of their summer vacation. They're also paying for that week. Uh, and it's, it's, there's a lot of cost that goes into it. So what you see is a desire and a knowledge that this is important and they value it. And what's really cool, maybe the best part of, of the Hope Week celebration is that what you'll also see is many students who have made that decision uh, either in faith to to, to, ha- to be a, a child of God, to come into the family of Christ. You're also going to see a bunch of baptisms and hear personal testimonies of students. And it is awesome. It gets me emotional every year because I get, I get so depleted with my energy. I'm older than I used to be. Uh, I, I get depleted by Thursday. I am exhausted. Um, but then Thursday night comes and we celebrate and we see how God's really moving in our students. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So highly encouraged. Get out to that if you're able to. Um, but definitely if you haven't started praying for us uh, for this week, please do grab one of these papers, be praying for each day individually uh, for our students because we believe that there's power in prayer. And we believe that the act of praying is showing obedience as well as reverence to our God. 
And speaking of prayer, we're starting this new series. It's called Asking for a Friend. Uh, What Woodside did was across our organization, we fielded a bunch of questions through social media from from people throughout all of our congregations uh, that it's questions of of what they're struggling with in their faith, of things that, that the Christian tends to struggle with in their faith journey. And we took that list of, big list of questions and we narrowed it down to the most asked questions. And then Pastor Rob chose the three that he felt were most relevant for our campus. And we're gonna, over the next three weeks, be working on those three questions. And the first one is a doozy, so buckle up. Uh, they didn't give me the easiest one, but I really do appreciate it because it's something I need to hear just as much as everyone sitting in front of me. And the question is, why doesn't God always answer prayer? And the short answer, like, maybe we can wrap this up in just a couple of minutes. The short answer is he does. It's just not always the way we want it to be answered. And sometimes it's not always in the time frame that we want it to be answered in. Sometimes that yes we're expecting is a no. Sometimes it's a not yet. Some of the questions we're going to be working through today is, and how often is it that we think that we know what we want and what we need so we take those things to God and, and, and ask him to provide what we think we want and what we need. Honestly, probably pretty frequently, right? Guilty. Yeah, pretty frequently. Do we really believe that God knows us more intimately than we even know ourselves? Do we believe that he is all-knowing and that he will supply that which we need for us? And ultimately, the big question is, do we believe that God answers prayer for our good and ultimately for his glory. Uh, so as we're getting ready to wrestle through that, I'll just stop right here for a moment. Let's orient our hearts and our minds towards our God in prayer. Father God, we are so, so grateful to you. You've provided for us more than we could ever ask for. God, every day that we wake up with breath in our lungs, we can be assured that you are not finished with us yet that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. God, thank you. Thank you for making the ultimate sacrifice for us. Because without you, God, we understand and we know that we are lost, we are hopeless, that there is no bright future, that only darkness lays ahead. God, thank you for being our light, for guiding us. God, give us the courage to follow you better. Give us the desire to reach out to you in prayer, to cry out to you as we struggle through the difficulties of life, God. We want to make you number one. You're the most important thing, God. As we work through this difficult question today, God, my biggest request is that it's not the words of Nick that are portrayed to our people, but God, that it is your words, that your message through your Holy Spirit is delivered to the hearts and ears of all who hear. God, use me as your vessel. My desire, Lord, is to not seek after my will, God, but yours. And my prayer is that that's all of our desires today. Amen. So what I'd like for you guys to do next is to think of a time when you prayed about something and it seemed like God didn't answer your prayer. Maybe that's for a job that you hope to get, or maybe it's a loved one who got sick and ultimately passed away, or a relationship that you desperately hope would be mended, but ultimately fell apart. 
And while you're thinking about that, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain uh, of Nick. Before I got into ministry, I worked for a nonprofit organization called the Organization for Bat Conservation. Uh, It was also known as the OBC, and most people referred to it as the Bat Zone. That's what it said on the building. Which means that my job as an animal keeper was to take care of the 150 or so animals, mostly bats, which is weird, I know. Uh, It's an interesting icebreaker for most conversations meeting new folks. Um, And if you have any questions about bats, not today because I have to get off to Hope Week, back to Hope Week, but you can ask me any other day that I'm here. And I love to talk about bats. Uh, But I also had to take care of other animals, some skunks, some owls, snakes, sloth, amongst a few others. And it was my job to clean their enclosures, to medicate those that needed to be medicated, uh, apply any medical treatment that may arise, as well as feed and care for their general well-being. And I loved it. It was awesome. It was very much, very much something I, I enjoyed. It was actually something I thought I was going to make a career of for a long time. I loved the church, and I loved serving as a volunteer, um, but bats was where it was at. For, for old Nick here. Uh, and then one day, one of our board members drew us into a meeting, uh, rather impromptu meeting, and advised us that due to mismanagement of funds as well as some other nefarious stuff that we don't have to get into here, we would have to shut the organization down entirely. Um, and it would take a miracle to keep it open. So I can and imagine that you can imagine that what I prayed for is, I prayed for that miracle. I was, God, let's, let's keep this thing open, man. This is, this is my future, You know, my family depends on this job, but God didn't save my job. In fact, what I had to do, uh, which was very difficult, was I had to help rehome all of our animals into other organizations. I I had to take down all the enclosures. I had to pack up all of the equipment. I had to help clean out the building that still stands vacant to this day right at the corner of West Huron and Woodward and Pontiac with the big giant metal bat sign still on the outer wall. And that was very, very difficult. Why does it seem like sometimes God answers our prayers, but other times he seems absent? Because there's scriptures that indicate that he's always going to answer our prayers, right? We've got Matthew 7, 7 through 8. It says this, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, I'm sorry, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Mark eleven twenty four. also, therefore I tell you, wherever, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So if these verses are true and God really hears all of our prayers, why doesn't he always answer our prayers the way that we feel we need them answered? So we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to work through verses 5 through 15 today and we'll break it into sections. But what we're seeing here is Jesus, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, giving them some pointers on how, how not to pray, and then exactly what we should be praying. And it's going to sound super familiar, especially when we hit that second portion of it. But this teaching will hopefully help shed some light on why God doesn't always answer the prayers in the way that we want to or that we ask for. So let's start with Matthew 6, verses 5 and 6. They say this, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray for your father who is in secret. 
and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So our first point then is that prayer is about knowing God, not getting from God. All right, so what's that look like? Well, right out of the gate here, Jesus tells us not to pray like the hypocrites. And what we know about hypocrites is they say one thing and do something completely different. And in this case, these are people who are, who are appearing to be super religious with these big boastful prayers in public in front of other people at religious gatherings just to be seen by other people. So on the outside, they look or seem to be in a deep relationship with God, but really on the inside, they're far from it. Their heart posture is not God-centered, it's self-centered. Jesus tells his followers not to pray, not to just pray in public, which we do here together. As a body of believers, we believe in the power of prayer and we will pray together, we'll continue to do so. But also to be in prayer in private because it's an intimate relationship. It's an intimate conversation, conversation between you and your heavenly father. So one of the reasons that God may not be answering your prayer in the way that you want them to, and I would like you to hear the phrasing of that sentence again, because I don't want it to feel super convicting for everybody, but one of the reasons why God may not be answering your prayers in the way that you want to is that maybe you're praying out of hypocrisy. I know I have in the past. When people treat prayer this way, Jesus says they've already been rewarded, which means that they've they've got what they wanted, which was really just to look good in front of others. But they missed out on the power and the presence of God in their lives. And that's not at all what God wants for us. The power of God in prayer, his reward, Jesus tells us comes in secret. It's in your personal relationship with your creator, between you and your father God. So one of the reasons that we seemingly miss out on our prayer being answered is because of how we go to God in our prayers. But what we should know, and I hope everyone in this room is on the same page here, God is not a genie in some lamp waiting for the need to arise for you to come to him for that. God is actually a relationship to be pursued. So God's not a genie. God has a relationship to be pursued. So there can be many reasons why God doesn't necessarily answer the prayers the way that we want or the way that we ask or the way that we desire for it to happen. But the wrong heart or attitude towards God in prayer is definitely one of those reasons. Often, uh, I think this is indicative of Western culture, but often we try to fit God into our busy schedules. For some strange reason, we believe that, that being busy makes us important. It makes us look good to others. Look, look how much we're doing. Look how many things we're involved in. Look at us. And we try to squeeze God into that and our prayer lives tend to reflect that. We have to have a heart posture and an attitude where God is first. Where the most important thing is our relationship with God and all that busyness, all that stuff that we fill our lives with is secondary to to that. That number one is our relationship with God, period. We have to prioritize that relationship and that's on us. Like if you want to build a relationship with, with somebody, you have to put in time, energy, and effort, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you don't put in time, energy, and effort into a relationship, do you ever build a, a close relationship with that person? And I can tell you, I can guarantee you based on, on, on what scripture is and what the Bible is, that God is putting forward the time and the energy and the effort into a relationship with you and with me. And it's up to us to reciprocate that, to prioritize our time with God, to put our energy into that relationship, to put our effort into making that the most important thing in front of everything else. That's what we're called to do. Prayer is not just getting God to move with a snap of our fingers. Prayer is about intimacy with God through that personal relationship. Maybe you've gotten out of the habit of, of spending time in prayer, intentional time in prayer. Maybe it's just a quick one that you throw up when you first wake up in the morning, or maybe at a meal. Maybe you've gotten away from spending alone time with God in prayer. This is an awesome, perfect opportunity to refocus on the light that is our Savior. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the charge here then is to choose to follow the path that God's illuminated for you because he's guiding you to what's good for you. He has in mind what's best for you and wants you to follow after that, to seek that light rather than trying to forge your own path that leads you away from that light and into darkness because that's the alternative. It's, it's one or the other. If you're not, if you're not seeking to, to follow after the light, the opposite of that is darkness. And that's where our own selfish desires lead us. There's a second warning that Jesus gives now in prayer in the next two verses, verses seven and eight, where Jesus says this, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So our second point here is that prayer is going to your heavenly father as a child. What does that mean? Well, Jesus gives another example of how not to pray. So, so far, this is our second example. Don't pray this way. Prayer is not about performance. It's not about all these lofty things that we can throw up and these big words that we can use. And he uses an example of people who, who make way too much out of their long prayers and their, their eloquent words but that are empty. Jesus reminds his followers in the eighth verse there that when we come to God, we are supposed to come to him as our father. He desires the relationship with him for him to be father and us his child. So when we pray to God, we have to understand that we are going to a wise and powerful and good father who has what's best for us in mind, who is in complete control. God wants us to pray to him as a father, like a child. I have four children. My youngest is five and a half. His name is Killian. He's lovely. Uh, when he comes to me and says that he's hungry, it's not some eloquent uh, sentence like, like, dearest father, I require much, much sustenance and nourishment for my growing body. Please, please provide for me a meal fit for the young prince that I am. I imagine that will never happen. Uh, in fact, usually when he comes to me, it's, it's like this. I'm hungry. It's kind of whiny. 
Um, maybe some of you parents have experienced that. I have many times. But it kind of gives us this demonstration of Jesus' point to remind us here in prayer that, that we go to God as our Father, that we depend on God as our Father. We are his children, just like a child is dependent. Like Killian, at five and a half, cannot cook a full meal for himself. The best he can do is maybe pour a bowl of cereal and hopefully not spill too much milk. He depends on his father or his parents to provide that for him. Just like we depend on God to lead us in our lives. So we need to go to our Heavenly Father with dependency and with humility to realize that we don't really know what's best for us, but that he does, and to accept and acknowledge that. The same grace that saves us is the grace that sustains us as we go through this wild ride that is life. As we are praying to our God, it's that grace that gets us through all of it. And verse 8 ended by saying that your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what is it that could be hindering our relationship with God as our father, as his child? And this maybe won't be the most comfortable question to wrestle with inside and of yourself, but what's your real focus? Like, is, is your heart posture, is your focus on pleasing God and doing his will? Or, or is it based on your desires, your wants, what you perceive to be your needs? Where's your heart posture? When we come to God in prideful and self-serving ways, that damages our relationship with him and with other people when we live our lives that way, when it's about what we can get out of everything, and that really damages our relationships. That does include God. It hinders our prayer life. So our heart posture matters significantly. When a toddler goes to their parent and, and asks for something, and the answer to that is no, they're not given that thing, it's often because as parents, we see something or know something that they don't know. We know that what's best for them and what could hinder them. And so when we say no to our kids, it's because we have a knowledge of what that can do to them. So when they hear no, typically it results in tears or maybe a, a, an argument, some fighting back. Because that child thinks that they know better than their parents. Maybe anyone in this room, I, I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience, but maybe anyone else in this room has children has maybe a little bit of PTSD when you hear phrases or say phrases like, it's bedtime, or no treats tonight. Or here's a good one for now, no more video games, or, or that's enough YouTube. These tend to cause chaos in our relationships with our kids. But in our own lives as adults, we can be a lot like, like spiritual toddlers when we think that we know better than God. Because he knows what's best for us. And when we come to God and he says no, it's like, well, God, I have this need. Like, you can't let this happen to me. I go to church and I volunteer and I'm, I'm a good person. How could you let me struggle through this, God? This isn't fair. That's us saying, God... I know better than you. And it's the wrong heart posture. Just as a good earthly father doesn't give their child everything that they ever ask for, our heavenly father knows what's best for our spiritual development. 
And sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we pray to a heavenly father who has far, far much more wisdom than we do, far greater knowledge of what's to come. Our, our sight and what we can see is so finite. Our minds are so finite, but he's infinite. He sees and knows everything. He has a better plan. And, and, and what's beautiful is that God desires that we trust him even when we don't understand his plan yet. His desire is that we have so much love and trust for him that even when we're in the midst of what might seem like the most turbulent time we've ever gone through, that we can have peace in him because we trust that he has what's right for us, even when we have no idea what he's doing. It's okay to not know what God's doing in your life. But it's not okay to not trust him to not believe that he, he isn't doing something that's the best for you. Jesus has shown us now two different ways how we shouldn't be praying, but we're going to get to one, uh, one awesome way that we should be praying. Uh, and in fact, it's verses 9 through 15. It's going to sound pretty familiar to you guys. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. So the third point we want to make today is that prayer focuses on God and it transforms us. In this prayer, Jesus lays out the very first two verses that he says right here. It's all about adoration to God. It's not, God, I need this. God, why aren't you doing this? It's, it's seeking God as heavenly and holy and praising him. Prayer does benefit us, but ultimately, and most importantly, it's for God's glory. The story of God, his holy word, the Bible is all about God. Everything in the Bible points to God, not us. It's not about us. It's about God. In fact, what I, what I like to tell our students all the time is that the Bible, and maybe the, the boys don't like this as much as the girls, but the Bible really is a love story. It's, it's about a God who loves his people so much that he's willing to make the ultimate sacrifice so that he could spend eternity with them, with us. Guys, he loves you that much that he wants eternity with you. He gave up so much for you and for me. It's all about him. It's about his glory. We're created to glorify our God. Jesus calls us in prayer to consider and praise God. The start of the Lord's Prayer here isn't about asking for a wish list or, or seeking after what we desire it's focused on God. It's focused on his holiness and who he is. I have a, uh, I have a prop for us here back behind Jacob's chair. It's hiding it on you. This is my Hope Week hat this year. Uh, it says, praise God. And all around the brim, you can see all these little words. It's actually the entirety of Psalm 100. It's my favorite psalm. And it's known as a psalm of praise or psalm of thanksgiving. And it's all focused on praising God. God, in fact, I'd like to read it to you from my hat, which is in the ESV. Now, the hat's not. I, I wrote it from the ESV onto my hat. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. It's a psalm based entirely on praising our creator, praising our God, leaning into our God and seeing his glory for what it is. And then verse 10 in our passage leads us to another reason why God doesn't always answer prayer the way that we ask for. Jesus reminds us that when we pray, we ask for the will of God to go forth which means then that there's an element of surrender in prayer. A giving up of ourselves and saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. When we fail to come come in prayer to God with a posture of surrender to his will, we miss out on the heart of prayer. Because God sees the bigger picture for our lives. He knows what's best for us. He's, he's operates in this realm that's beyond our comprehension. He's orchestrating events and, and he's, he's aligning circumstances according to his plan and according to his glory. So therefore, when we, we pray to God, he, he might say no because he has a better purpose for us. He has a better answer than we could even seek for. And sometimes the answer is not just yet. We feel this delay because God's timing and our timing are two different things. Again, it's a detriment to Western culture, but, but we want what we want when we want it. Like we want it now, right? That's, that's what we expect. But we can't have that expectation with God. God does what's right for us when we need it, not when we say we want it. His timing is a beautiful thing. So Jesus is concluding his section on prayer, reminding us that prayer is really all about transformation. Prayer isn't just saying, God, give me. Rather, prayer is saying, God, make me look more like Jesus. Make me strong against the enemy and against this world through your Holy Spirit and make me more forgiving. The reason that I believe that, that God didn't save my job, why he allowed the bat zone to close, is because he knew that I would stay in that career for a long time. I was a Christian amongst a bunch of atheists, and he knew that I would spend many years seeking after what my heart desired rather than giving into his will because there was a lot of stubbornness in my life, in my past especially. He wasn't calling me to be a volunteer. In fact, he knew that I knew that he was calling me me into full-time ministry. But he wasn't calling me to to just be a volunteer, which there is no just when it comes to volunteering. It's a lot of work. And and I praise you guys for for those of you who serve here. We're so grateful. And we cannot sustain ministry without you guys serving. It's a beautiful thing. But he was calling me into something more intentional. He wanted me to jump in with both feet rather than just dipping my toes in ministry. And I knew it, but my job had to go away for that to happen. It had to. 
If I was going to take that leap, the job had to go away. Uh, so he let it go away, which at the time for me was absolutely heartbreaking because I loved my job, right? That, that sustained my family. I had a full-time job with benefits and now, and now I'm unemployed all of a sudden. And I've got kids. What am I supposed to do? How are we supposed to sustain? Surely that wasn't fair for me. So at least that's where I was at the beginning. But I didn't see what he saw. I didn't, I didn't know what God knew. All I knew was that this thing I loved was taken away from me. But through prayer, um, both myself and my wife, crying out to God as to what in the world we're supposed to do next, he helped me feel his peace. He helped her feel his peace. He helped me see the plan that he had for me. He gave me the strength and the courage to, to finally take that commitment and follow faithfully, which was hard. Something had to change within me, which was a hard realization. Is that like, I didn't have it all together. I wasn't doing it all right. Something had to change. My, my character had to be refined. We often talk about God in, in some, old, some of our old worship songs as, as our refiner, as the potter and we're the clay and he needs to mold us and that's absolutely the case with me. I needed to be changed, refined, molded. My character needed to change. I had to become less stubborn, less rebellious. Now I will say there's still a little bit of that stubborn and rebellious spirit inside. Uh, we're working on that though. Uh, it's going to get better over time. Um, but as we pray, we need to be praising God for who he is. For the glory of his creation, for his holy majesty, for the good works that he does in our lives, in the lives of those around us. We thank him for loving us, for desiring relationship with us. We thank, you, thank him for the blessing that is life. For his grace which sustains us and the mercy that he freely pours upon us every single day. We ask for God to move in our lives. We ask for him to provide for us daily as we regularly depend on him. As we, we bow our knee to his will. The truth of the matter is that God does desire to transform us into a reflection of his son. Our job as Christians is to, to be a reflection of Jesus to the world around us, to, to love people the way Jesus does every single day of our lives, to show people what, what Jesus' love looks like, what it feels like. That's our jobs. Sometimes, in order to get there, it requires us to have our character refined through trials and through challenges. In fact, we'll look at James 1, verses 2 through 4. It says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy when you meet trials. Who here really enjoys a good trial? Who loves walking through the fire and the storms of life? Nobody, right? But what we can know is that we can trust God through that. And that at the end of that storm is the end of the storm. That that, that, that dark season that we're walking through 
will give way to light. Whenever that is, we can trust that he will provide that for us. We know that he will provide what we need when we need it, even if that means it's not when we want it. When Jesus calls us to pray, he reminds us of the importance of living with grace and with humility and forgiving other people. Now imagine if I, if I asked everyone in the room to be honest and raise your hand if you struggled forgiving people. I imagine most of our hands would go up a little bit. Mine probably would. It can be really hard, especially when, when people treat you poorly, when they don't show you the love of Jesus, but they show you the ugliness of this world, when they do ugly things to you. But our prayers can be hindered when we hold on to resentment, when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness in our lives that affects our relationship with our God and with other people. And it hinders our prayers. Jesus calls us to forgive as he has forgiven us. So when we have strained relationships with other peoples, that hinders our prayer life. And we're commanded by our Lord and Savior to forgive in order to have a deeper relationship with him. We have to be able to give, forgive others. We have to let go of that bitterness and the anger towards other people and show them what the love of Jesus is all about. I can thank God now, in where I am in life, for taking my job away and for guiding me into ministry. I'm grateful. I thank God for refining me. And I know that he's going to continue to do that every single day of my life until I am called home to glory. I thank God for the opportunity to deny myself Seek his will. So why pray? Why pray? Well, because it helps us to get to know God more, to see his love and understand his will for our life. We have to be crying out in prayer. When it's hard and when it's great, when life's going awesome, it's so easy. It's so easy to not thank God for that. To think that we did something because we're great, because we're awesome. Because it has nothing to do with our greatness and our awesomeness. And it has everything to do with God. The good stuff, the bad stuff, we cry out to God for all of it. Prayer reminds us that we are not in control, but that God is fully in control in our lives. We understand that our Heavenly Father is powerful and He is moving. He knows what's best for us and He will do what we need. Prayer is about surrender. It's about transformation, being refined and molded and shaped into a reflection of our God, our Savior. There's power and grace and mercy and love and peace in prayer. Who in this room could use a little more grace and mercy and peace in their lives? Yeah, yeah, if your hand's down, I don't know what's going on. Maybe we should talk after. All of us, who doesn't desire to feel deeply loved, who didn't desire to have mercy poured upon them and grace given to them daily. We all desire that. And that's exactly what God wants for us. He wants us to feel it, to see it. He wants to lavish it upon us every day. Prayer is ultimately about becoming more and more like Jesus every day of our lives. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.